Today is the very last American Toffee podcast pre-match episode of the 2018-2019 season. There have been plenty of ups and downs. On today's episode, we're going to go over Everton-related news. We're going to give an overview of the Premier League table, the standings. We're going to talk about personnel for Everton and Tottenham. We're going to give a match discussion. And then lastly, we're going to go over some of the topics coming up on our postseason episodes in the next couple weeks. This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to our Spurs pre-match episode, the last pre-match episode of the season. Alex, a little sad to see the campaign come to an end. I don't know how you're feeling. Yeah, I'm feeling really sad. I'm, I uh, I know I mentioned it, but I was in Arkansas over the weekend and watched the last match with my grandpa. And he doesn't, you know, he he doesn't get to catch every single match. You know, he's a, he's an avid churchgoer, so Sunday matches he misses and he'll have to record. Sometimes he'll catch them, sometimes he won't, that sort of thing. And uh, he made it a point that he needed to have it recorded, have it, have it, have it on DVR ready to go a week in advance and make sure that he's going to go out of his way to watch it Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening because it's the last, the last match. And you know what? I feel the same. I'm going to watch it live, but I, I feel the same way. I'm very upset that the season's over, especially after Everton finishing it so strong and you know, luckily, James, we have the MLS to, to tide us over for the summer. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're eating like a really delicious, say, I don't even know, like a pie or something. And then you're given like a plate of well-seasoned, but still not all that delicious Brussels sprouts. And I like Brussels sprouts, <laughs> but I'd rather be eating like a nice apple pie or something like that. And that's that's the uh, extent of well, my I'll analogies. Bet, for the, yeah. Yeah, that's the extent of my analogies for today, but it is bittersweet. Uh, It's nice that we're ending the season on a good note, but also sad that things are wrapping up right as it seemed like the team's finally getting into their stride. But that just means that we'll be looking forward to the offseason and the buildup into next year all the more. A couple news bits to get into. Really exciting stuff. The Everton U23s completed the domestic double today by winning the Premier League Cup and, of course, having a couple weeks ago won the Premier League 2. A really, really important accomplishment, I think, for the club. It may not get the media coverage or the plaudits from from those in the mainstream, but those of us who follow Everton, like we do, something that is without question worth celebrating. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I saw someone. See, I'm going to quote someone else so that I can't be mistaken, right? And I'm not even going to say who I'm quoting, just a a random, mysterious, yeah, just random, mysterious person on Reddit. But I'm pretty sure someone said this is the first time that we've pulled off the U23 double, a domestic double, right? The PL2 and the PL Cup. Uh, Can't confirm or deny. I'm going to, I'm going to go with it though. And nonetheless, it's a really, really fantastic achievement, especially since you look at the fact that you don't have players playing in that squad that have been called up, let's say, to the first team and have played 
a good amount of matches and then and then kind of been demoted like other kind of teams have. So when it comes to just young raw talent, I mean a lot of the a lot of the names, a lot of the names that stick out on the team sheet on the squad list, they're younger players that could even feature in the U18s. And so it's it's just really exciting. I'm glad that Everton continues to be one of the top clubs in the country and dare I say it? No, I won't say it. Um don't say it. One of the top clubs that- <laughs> James, you always keep me grounded. One of the top clubs in the country for youth development. And so I really hope that it 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 may continue. Yeah, and and Ja Virginia, who is of course rumored to be the backup next year to Jordan Pickford, was of course in that side. And then I believe Brendan Galloway played as well. We have a lot of a lot of good young players who I think the jury even if you're successful at the U23 at the Premier League 2 level the jury's very much out on whether or not you'll become a Premier League player or even a decent championship player we've discussed this before but where the it was actually a post on the subreddit today where does that like fit where does the U23s fit if they were to be placed in the British soccer pyramid and the the consensus seems to be somewhere you know definitely below the championship probably below league 1 league 2 and then you know non league once you get past that somewhere in that vicinity depending on the team and the quality so by no means these players are sure bets to play for the first team but we do have quite the the crop of prospects that may be looking to break into the team in the net, in the coming years um, so that's that's obviously very good news. Credit to David Unsworth, credit to that group of players for their hard work put in this season and obviously tremendously rewarding for them to to see that that play out. Um, the other major or semi-major piece of news is that Chelsea's transfer ban, uh, the two-window one-year ban, was upheld by FIFA, meaning that now they will appeal to the Court of Arbitration of Sport, who have previously set a precedent where they they tend to um, delay the the enforcement of the ban for one window, which is what Chelsea will be hoping for, so that they can at least go into this summer and do some business and prepare for the uh, the barren times that are that are ahead for them. Alex, what are your thoughts on the Chelsea news? Well, firstly, um, I consider myself you know pretty pretty in depth when it comes to my Everton knowledge and keeping up with with things related to Everton. Specifically, this Chelsea transfer ban, I didn't even know there was a second step to it. So I'm just really re- waiting for the Liverpool Echo to kind of steal your thunder again and write a write a report. So write a write an um, <laughs> an article. So look out for that, folks. If the Liverpool Echo mysteriously uh, mysteriously posts an article after the eighth of of May, that was all James right there. But nonetheless, it can only hurt us, right? So they have Kurt Zuma. They have. Um, plenty of first team center backs. I understand that David Luis is not really a fan favorite anymore. Um, I, I don't follow Chelsea closely enough to to have my own opinion of him. I know he's getting kind of older. I think he's on the wrong side of 30 at this point. So in my opinion, I mean, we all know Kurzuma has performed amazingly and we would be very lucky to be able to secure him. I know the players have said, you know, um, publicly to the media, the Liverpool Echo shout out that <laughs> that you know they want him to stay and they're putting pressure on him to stay and joking with him like that. But it, it really just kind of hurts our chances because you know might I add I guess I've kind of skipped over glossed over this piece, but 
they they can't purchase players in this in this ban assuming it's upheld by the second court that you mentioned James so eloquently but they can however sell players um but you know if they can't purchase players then can't really promise that they're going to sell players unless it's really forced right i think everyone's universal consensus is sign Kurtzuma up the price and chelsea's ability to sell him being major or you know willingness to sell him if we if the court decides to uphold the ban which honestly i kind of doubt but we'll see I think after the, the performances that he's put in this year, they're going to be very reluctant to sell him. They've struggled this year under Mauricio Sarri in his first season. They have they're kind of going undergoing a bit of a transition. We know that Chelsea are notorious for chopping and changing their manager often, and I think they've kind of gotten to the point similar maybe to Manchester United, where you can only chop and change. You can only blame the manager so many times, and and something that I think Everton realized. Like you can only blame the managers so so often where at some point the blame has to fall on the players and are they doing enough? And what happened to Chelsea going back to the Kepa incident in the Carabao Cup final where he refused to come off, I just think the players feel that they have too much power. And we're, this isn't a Chelsea podcast. We won't dwell on this too much longer, but there is that balance where the players do have to be held accountable. And when you're a $70 million player like Kepa was, you just know that like, it's going to be sorry whose head rolls before yours. So you just have, you're, you're empowered to act out and to maybe do things that you wouldn't do if you, if you knew that if you act out, then there's going to be repercussions. So I think Chelsea are, are undergoing some, some difficulties with their management. But as far as Kurt Zuma goes, sign him up. We have a nice little French contingent developing between uh, Ghana, Schneiderlin, um, and then of course, Luca Dean. And if Zuma joins, that'd be four. A good little group, and I, I mean, the France won the World Cup, so it's it's hard not to uh, to want as many French players as possible, right? Yeah, and you know what? It still irked me. I thought about this literally a couple of days ago. Like, I'm out of town with my grandparents, trying to spend time with them, and yet I'm 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 just kind of pouting for five minutes because I'm thinking about the fact that Luca Dean was left out of the France squad, although he essentially carried them, not carried them, but he played pretty much all the qualifying matches i'm pretty sure and he was fit too um but nonetheless absolutely 100 percent and and somewhat of a side tangent but we but i wanted to cover this real quick it is the american toffee podcast therefore in my opinion americans specifically in the premier league are you know fair game i i I still feel and you've mentioned it really more than i have whether that's on the record or off that you know Pulisic, whether it's realistic or not, would have been the perfect signing for us because although he was too expensive, um, probably, well, in general, he was too expensive, but, you know, for sure in Marcel Brand's eyes, for example, um, you just feel that he would have come in and really would have been able to kind of cement a starting spot if he was consistent enough. And furthermore, the commercial value could have made up for maybe the lack of value up front if you're not considering you know his his potential yeah 100 percent. i'm absolutely on board with, with that sentiment i i agree he would have been the quintessential dream signing for everton a young player proven um in the bundesliga which we know has a rip develop is developing a reputation for developing young talent 
would have been coming into a up and coming Premier League team. I think, you know, clearly the trajectory of Everton is pointing upwards at this point. A team that he can realistically get into the side in a position of need for us at right wing. Of course, you can play in multiple positions, but right wing is is one of his specialties. And, you know, the right age profile, he checks all the boxes and then off the pitch, you have the commercial marketing potential, which is amazing because he is going to be front and center for the United States national team for the next decade, probably. And so that would have been a huge coup for us and done a lot for our efforts in expanding into the United States as we look to expand our fan base, which we're leading the charge on that, Alex. So Everton, you know, you're welcome for uh, for carrying the torch over here stateside. And hey, James. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have no idea where I'm going with this. Have you seen uh, Endgame yet? I have not seen Endgame. You have not? Honestly, this is, we're getting way into the weeds here. No, no, no. I had a fantastic, like, okay, well, I'm sure everyone else listening has uh, has seen it, but but if Christian Pulisic was the soul stone, I would have literally tossed you off for him here for him. So I just want to let you know, I know you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, that an- that analogy is completely lost on me, but everyone uh, else sure. heard it and they laughed. They literally lulled. They laughed out loud, yeah, James. I'm sure that I'm sure that really brought the house <laughs> down. All right. Well, we're going to move on now. That was some good stuff. Some tangential stuff. It's the end of the season, guys. We're let we're cutting a little loose, getting a little crazy with it. Um, but but the next part of our show, we're going to discuss kind of the table where we're at. We're, gonna, you know, eighth, eighth place, which start of the season. No one dreams of eighth place. That goes without saying. But eighth in, you know, firmly in eighth place with 53 points. Leicester close, close behind with 51. They've played Chelsea at home on the last day of the season. And so if we were to lose two Spurs and, and Leicester were to manage to win, we would, of course, end up finishing ninth. I think that our prospects of finishing eighth are looking pretty good, but it is the Premier League and anything can happen. And then right behind them, we have our heavily air quoted i want to go on record <laughs> quote 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 air quote air quote rivals watford in 10th place with 50 points and, and we're about 12 goals to the good on goal difference there so things are looking all right we're looking fairly secure as long as we take care of business and at least get one point i think the eighth place finish uh and and it's significant whether we finish eighth or ninth because there is like a, a three or four million dollar difference in the prize money depending on uh, where you finish even in mid table. So it's significant. That, and just, I can, I can just hear the ignorant part of the fan base, you know, chatting now it's already quote unquote bad enough that we're finishing eighth, which is the exact same finish that we had with, uh, you know, fat Sam. So even though we would finish with more points than we did last season, I can just hear them blabbering on and on about how we finished ninth and, and fire Marco Silva. He has no idea what he's talking about. Blah, 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 blah. So it's important that we finish strongly. Although, you know, Spurs are kind of on a high note at the moment, even though they have plenty of injuries. Yeah, credit to the incredible comeback Spurs managed in the Champions League. The only significant comeback in the Champions League semifinals that we will be acknowledging on this show. <laughs> with Don't worry about that. We won't talk about anything else besides that um but yeah i mean eighth place same as last year but at the same time the attitude and i mean i couldn't wait for the season to end last year i was like i mean i always love watching everton but there was a there was a certain element of it being a real chore to have to sit down and watch the regressive football that we were playing and now 
the the picture couldn't be you know couldn't shoe couldn't be more on the other foot. We're playing really exciting play. We have exciting players, and again, the trajectory huge up. If I, if Everton's a stock, it's a buy. It's a firm buy at this point. You want all in the on analysts this. are in on it. Yes, a hundred percent. The the market cap is exploding. You know, metaphorically speaking, I don't know about the actual financial. The price but. to equity ratio, it's up there, guys. Hundred <laughs> percent buy, buy, buy. But it, we're really off the walls today. Um, so we just got to take care of business. And we're going to Spurs' new stadium. West Ham were able to get a win there in the inaugural inaugural game. Or no, they were the first team to win um, at, at Spurs' new stadium. So I hope that we can. Um, and they've been in really bad form in the Premier League as of late. Despite their comeback in the Champions League, they've been really struggling. And then uh, the last weekend, they had the debacle that resulted in two red cards in the span of a few minutes. So Hyung Son Min and Foyth are both out because of their red cards. And then they have Harry Kane, Serge Aurier, Harry Winks, all injured. And so a fairly depleted squad for Spurs as we go in um, on Sunday. Yeah, and and if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw reports that they were contesting the red card on Son, which obviously is is a nightmare for us. He's had he's actually honestly probably been their best player behind Harry Kane, who's unfortunately been consistent this season as always. Yeah, and, and considering that he left for for a stretch of the season because of what was it the Asian Cup, um, leaving for mid season for tournaments for his national side, he has been a revelation. He's been just magnificent for them this year. Another example, you know, Spurs. As much as we may not like them, I mean, I don't have any deep seated hatred for Spurs. I frankly, do. I think. <laughs> Fair enough. You, you're entitled to you're, that. You're but definitely as, getting tossed off for me, or I don't care. Soulstone uh, or not, you're just getting tossed off. As far as the as far as far the top six go, I mean, Spurs are kind of like, they're the team that Everton, we, you know, almost were trying to emulate. Like, they've been able to compete at a, at a very high level despite not spending as big as their, their peers, I guess. And so that's sort of where Everton are. We're trying to emulate that type of model where you buy young, you develop the players, and then ideally, you know, you sell it a profit. And so I think they do deserve a lot of credit for what they've been able to do with players like, like Young Sun Min, like Deli Ali, all the Harry Kane. I mean, the list goes on. The players they develop, their their performance and their their management is clearly very adept and they know what they're doing. And so that being said, I hope we smash them on Sunday and they end up with like three or four red cards just getting so frustrated. You know, that's a really good point because if you think back the last couple of years, right, since since Farhad Mushiri became, well, uh, a major investor in the club, I guess now he's, I think now he's majority. Yes. Quote unquote, right. Um, but it, it, you know, initially, essentially, we just tried to take the Chelsea or the Man City route. We just tried to kind of bankroll it. And honestly, maybe that's a very good lesson in in kind of how you run a club because maybe that just shows that Everton, you know, if you're going to try to Chelsea or Man City it and, and just bankroll it, you have to be successful within the first year or two of doing it, right? Because if you don't, then you're just stuck with Ashley Williams on 100K a week. And, you know, he can't even, you know, he can't even perform at Stoke in the championship a year, you know, two years later, right? Whereas you look at, you look at um, Spurs, for example, their wage bill is still cut down tremendously, as you said, and they're performing like they should. So 
as you said, now, you know, with Marcel Brands, we're kind of transitioning. And I guess this is a question for a later podcast, but how long is it going to take to transition from maybe the Chelsea or Man City model to successfully implementing the Spurs model? Well, I don't even know if you can say that we really we ever really committed to like the straight up just bankroll because although Far- Farhad Mashiri is a very wealthy man, he's not a United Arab Emirates oil sheik who can just literally spend any amount of money, hundreds and hundreds of millions in, in credit to, to Farhad for the amount of money that he's put into the club. But we never really like, I mean, we spent a lot. We spent as much as probably the rest of the top six, but we don't need to rehash the Steve Walsh debacle that that it was. Didn't spend smartly, and like you said, it ended up backfiring. And now, ugly boy. <laughs> and now we've got Marcel Brands, who is tasked with not just rebuilding the squad, but undoing the mess that was left for him. And I think everyone's looking forward to the summer transfer window and what we're going to be able to do as far as bringing people in. But the outgoing signings are are of you know the priority here is getting those exorbitant wages off the books, and so that that then you can use them on players who might actually play, and that we won't have to like pawn off on some other club just so that they can maybe take like a portion of their wages because we know that based on the evidence of last summer, these players are not in high demand, and based on their results out on loan, very few of them I think will have very high demand again this summer. So it's about finding a good fit, cutting your losses at a reasonable rate, and then moving on and onto the next page and next chapter of the club. So speaking of players that will actually play, Andre Gomez is back from a three-match ban. And, you know, I'm wondering, do you think the last match of the season, Schneiderlin has had a run of games and has looked pretty good, do you think that Gomez is going to feature? Keep in mind, again, I'm sure everyone knows, he is technically on loan, and although we are favorites to sign him from Barcelona, and it seems that Barcelona are willing to, to part from him, and, and furthermore, he wants to be at Everton, he's still not an Everton player. Do you think he's going to feature? Yes. To answer your question, I do think he comes back into the side. It is going to be interesting because there are rumors swirling and the most concrete other suitor for Andre Gomez from Barcelona in the summer actually is Spurs. And so do you roll out your player against potentially competing the team you'll be competing for a signature with in the summer? It's an interesting question. I think they'll have seen enough of him in the rest of his games for us this season to know that they want him as a player and one game's not going to make a difference. It'll be good to get him out one last time. Hopefully not the last time, but if it is... Um, at least have one one more showing of what he can do. I I still think that he wants to play here. I think he wants to stay. The way that he's ingratiated himself with the fans shows me that he cares and that he recognizes what a special fan base, the Everton fan base is. And he feels welcomed after what was self-described by him a pretty miserable time in Barcelona. I think it he feels wanted here. He thinks again, all indication is that this club is head, headed in the right direction and Assuming everything, all the conversations behind closed doors are going well, like why why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? And again, one thing that we didn't even mention is about Spurs. They haven't signed a player in over a year. Like what they've been able to do in in maintaining their position and and staying in competitive amongst the top six who are spending exorbitant amounts of money 
without spending anything is is a real testament to them. Um, that being said, they can f off um, trying to <laughs> sign Andre Gomez because he's ours. You can't have him, and that's my long winded answer to your question. Yes, I think he will feature. What are your thoughts on it? I don't know. I'm kind of torn about it. I want to I want to finish up this piece and get into the match discussion and, and kind of talk about the side we want to we want to implore before you know, in total, as opposed to singularly, I was just putting you, you know, in the spotlight. That's all James, you know, it's, it's all in good fun. You know, I love the spotlight, Alex. I know you do. You're so vain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so next up, right. So Richarlison went off after 50 minutes against Burnley Silva actually said, and, and, and he was clutching his rib, right. Which we knew was a problem previously. Silva said in his post-match interview that Richarlison started the match with pain and he was a soldier and kind of just worked through the, through the pain itself. Um, do you think he's going to feature or, or start? I guess we'll find out tomorrow or I don't know if the press conference is tomorrow or Friday because the match is on Sunday. We'll find out what his status is. If, if it's a chance, if he's not a hundred percent, if he has a chance of making the injury worse, why risk it? I mean, it's a rib injury, you know, it's a side. So how bad can it really get? If it's like a frat, we don't even know if it's a muscle strain, if it's a bone thing, if it's a bruise, whatever it is. If there's a chance he makes it worse, don't risk it. Last game of the season, we want to win, but like at the end of the day, it's not a huge deal. I'd love to see him feature because I think especially last game before he went out, he was immensely effective and probably looked close to his best that he's been at this year, which is saying something because he has been so good. It's up to Silva. I think we still have some players who can come in and step in if he can't play, but I'm I'm on board with seeing Richarlison in the swan song game of the year. Right. And you know, being like Richarlison being himself, you know, kind of like, and, and don't shoot me here, Lukaku was rumored to be if if he if he can lace up his boots and get out on the pitch and perform at a certain level, he's going to demand that he's out there right like he wants to play even if he's playing through some sort of of pain yeah i'd say richarlison at 85 percent is still better than probably adam lookman at 100 percent um, based on the evidence that we've we've been given this year so it would I, I would like to see him play but again like why if what's how bad can his injury get i don't want to see him out for he has a long time to recuperate and heal but you never want to see anyone go down injured, so don't risk it. That's that's my take on the situation. As far as the rest of the side goes, do you think it remains essentially unchanged? So I'm kind of torn, right? Because you can take this match in, in two different directions. We know that we cannot finish seventh place, so Europa is out of the question regardless of, of Man City winning the cup or not. But you mentioned that there is a scenario in which you could finish ninth if we don't win. And that's three to four million pounds or dollars or whatever difference in, in award money between eighth and ninth place. And so I guess you can either decide, A, we're going to choose the strongest starting lineup possible for Spurs away, or B, we're going to go for a mixture depending on kind of, you know, the two players that we've talked about, Gomez or Charleston kind of being question marks and give players a shot like Schneiderlin, maybe Adam Lookman, 
that have not had very many minutes this season, you know, kind of like their last hurrah to make an impression. In my opinion, and I know I'm going to get some flack for it, I think Schneiderlin should retain his place. In the end, Gomez is a lone player. I think the fan base, Marcus Silva, the assistant coaches understand fully what Andre Gomez is capable of, but Schneiderlin has had a rough year between, you know, trying to get more fit, learning the game plan, the tactics, on top of the fact that I believe his father passed away, and having a baby, if I'm not mistaken. So, in my opinion, Schneiderlin has earned the right to continue, you know, starting in the side and really show the club what he's got. Now, Richarlison, I I think I'm in agreement with you, right? Like, in that case, just be safe. If he's still feeling pain, just don't start him. He's had a fantastic goal return. And honestly, start start Walcott or Lookman, I think. I know I'm going to be burned at the stake for saying Walcott or Lookman as opposed to just Lookman, but I think, you know, either way, start one of them if, if he feels any pain at all. Otherwise, I think most of the squad's un, um, sorry, unchanged. Maybe maybe Mina if he's fit, because again, the likelihood of keeping Zuna, Zuma is is pretty pretty slim, and Yuri Mina has not had the impact this year that we thought he would. Yeah, Yuri Mina is an interesting one. Been injured, struggled with injury for the bulk of the year. A player who many were excited about when he first came, of course, coming from Barcelona. You'd think he has to be heavily into the and featured in the the blueprint that we're we're planning for next season. I hope I would actually. You're right. I would like to see Yuri Mina come in and give it a go. Why not? Kurt Zuma. You know this game is not. This game has no bearing on any transfer business. I think that that is safe to say. Like no one's playing to get signed by us. All that business is is well and truly decided. It just comes down to the the negotiation and business side of things. So Gary Mina getting one last look. Um, we know that he's not afraid to come in and make a quick impact because when he stepped in for the Chelsea, the first Chelsea game, he was very, very good. Um, I'd like to see that as far as the rest of the team, that's really the only other major change I could see. I would really like to see Tom Davies get some minutes, um, maybe around the 60 minute mark, bring him on. I just don't think that he's really played enough this year flat out. Um, it probably could have honestly benefited from a lone move away. That's in hindsight now, but everywhere else, we're going to go Calvert-Lewin up top. We're going to go Bernard on the on the left-hand side. It's going to be Seamus Coleman and Luca Dean, and then Michael Keane keeps his place, and then we've, we've discussed the midfield. Um, Sigurdsson, of course, alongside Ghana, who is another player we, who's rumored to be away this summer, but the statements that are coming out of the club just seem to be that we we want to keep our best players. If we want to go where we need to go, you need to get stronger. You can't ship out half your team and expect to get better. So, yeah, yeah, I would say the center back position and then that midfield role, and of course, Richarlison with the injury are the three like substitutes that you could make. But I don't really expect. I expect to see one or two changes tops. All right, so let's wrap this thing up prior to going over kind of episode topics for the next couple weeks, James. Let's hear your score prediction. Don't jinx us. It's the last time 
Everyone knows you have, you know, you have a reputation for being a Debbie Downer. Spurs away, James, in that ugly old stadium. <laughs> Honestly, their new stadium is pretty incredible. It's um, dope. But, but that said, A, I resent you calling me a Debbie Downer, though it may be slightly accurate. I prefer like a Donnie Downer, at least like, you know, get my gender correct. No. Um, <laughs> As far as the score prediction, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Really exciting stuff. The last score prediction of the year, I can't bring myself to predict a win because inevitably that will be a jinx. So I'm going to go conservative. A 1-1 draw I think would be a fair result. I'm going to say that we're going to have a goal from Bernard. We'll go up and then... Um, or maybe we'll have a comeback. So Spurs will score first and Bernard will equalize. That's that's what I'm going with. Alex, throwing it over to you. That's actually super spicy only because of the Bernard goal, right? Like because <laughs> he can't because he never scored. <laughs> right. I, was, I had to get, a, I had to get crazy somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, I think I'm going to go 2-1 Everton with a late Michael Keane header from a corner. Ooh, I like it. I think I, like it I think I think that it serves our best interest. Furthermore, it's obscure enough to make it plausible. I like that. Obscure enough to make it plausible. That's a good motto to live by. So that's gonna wrap things up for our uh our match preview. We do want to discuss some of the stuff we're planning in the postseason now that our inaugural season hosting the podcast together will soon be at a close we do want to keep you guys satiated with content through the summer window we're still trying to figure out what we want to do as far as the summer schedule if you guys have any feedback like do you still want to see us record like we're, we're looking at right now probably a once a week recording but um that that's still tbd that's still in the works behind the scenes if you have any feedback for us regarding that please let us know for postseason episodes Alex, what do we have lined up? So I'm thinking initially we should look at doing a loan roundup for the season, right? Whether that's, you know, loan players out for the entire season or since January. Next up, we're going to do our own end of the season awards. Hopefully those will be pretty funny. I don't know, James, are we funny? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's our strong suit, but you know, we can probably dial it up a little bit. Speak for yourself. Some. We're hilarious. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to go over, really what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about the biggest areas of need and, and kind of keep that separate from transfer speculation, right? I, th- In my opinion, we can talk about the club's weaknesses on the pitch without, you know, speculating players themselves. And then naturally, we will have plenty of transfer speculation episodes over the next, you know, two and a half months or so. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the summer. The the rumors, the the caliber of transfer that we're able to pull with Marcel Brands is night and day from when we were pilfering. No offense to the players or the clubs, but like pilfering Davy Class and Gilfie Sigurdsson, who generated no matter what the summer signings always generate excitement because it's the the prospect or the potential, and then the way that those obviously played out, Sigurdsson worked out, Davy Class and not so much. So it's going to be a fun summer. We're going to have undoubtedly buckets and buckets of rumors to sift through, some more credible than others. And I am 
very much looking forward to it. Yes. And lastly, James and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us, you know, throughout the season, whether, you know, you've been here since the beginning, which I know a lot of you have, or, you know, you've been new to the show over the last couple months. It's, you know, this is just fun for us because, you know, neither one of us were able to really interact with other Everton fans outside of just commenting on the odd Reddit post. And so to be able to do this, to be able to share our opinions, to be able to kind of just share the love with Everton fans and, and kind of continue, continue to educate um, or, or interact with other American Everton fans has been amazing. So we really appreciate you, you know, tuning in throughout the season and hopefully the summer, you know, keeps your palate wet, as James said. <laughs> As I said, I, I want to echo exactly what Alex just said. You know, when I reached out to him initially to come on as a guest, I didn't even really envision what this might become. But working together with him has been amazing. Interacting with you guys, I, I didn't know, you know, he had a certain number of people listening when we started and we didn't know where that would go. We've put in a lot of work on interacting on Twitter, trying to build something here, whatever that is. And it's been really rewarding. And it's only made me more convinced that the Evertonians are the best group of football fans in the world, bar none. Um, grand old team to play for, grand old team to support. Uh, and with that, I think that that will probably do it for us. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.